It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the lens, gotta live diverse. It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the lens, live diverse. You are listening to The Lens Living Diverse, a podcast brought to you by the CNIB Advocacy Team. Join Nisha, Vivi, and I as we speak to individuals with intersecting identities who live with sight loss as they share their unique stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Lens Living Diverse. I am doing it solo today, so I am your host, Ben, and today I have my wonderful guest, Ramya Amuthan, and uh, we're going to be talking about her journey with uh, media, as well as her different intersectionalities. So, Ramya, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. I actually like it this way with you interviewing me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Exactly. Like I said, it's it's a dangerous uh, situation and Please be easy on me. I know you're a pro at uh, the skill of interviewing and probing, okay. so please be easy on me. I'll try not to, like, backseat host. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's okay if you are. Uh, so we're going to start into it. I guess we're going to kind of get the basics, and I know probably a lot of listeners already know about you, but if you can kind of share about yourself and your different intersectionalities. Sure. I'll uh, do a bit of the elevator pitch, I guess. Um, I work for Accessible Media Inc. I am the co-host of our live afternoon show daily, Monday to Friday, AMI Audio, AMI TV. It's called Kelly and Ramya. So myself and Kelly McDonald, we speak to a variety of guests and it's two hours of absolute learning and conversation with people from disability communities around Canada. Um, There's so much to learn because people have shared um, their stories, the events and happenings around the country, just everything in the disability realm. And also I do a lot of freelance consulting because I have lived experience uh, with low vision. I was born with Lieber's congenital amaurosis. I also identify as a Sri Lankan Canadian uh, brown woman and Oh, now I have to say I'm in my early 30s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And um, what else do you want to know? Yeah. So I, I in terms of intersectionality, I'm uh, brown. I'm I, I, I'm a woman and I live with a disability. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And uh, definitely going to have some good perspectives today and a good conversation today. So uh, just out of curiosity, you made mention of being brown, a woman, individual for disability. Uh, Did you find that any of those identities ever clashed at all? I think, honestly, when it comes to marginalization um, and where I felt the most impacted of the marginalized communities, I'd say for me, disability uh, and being brown, like the the communities I grew up in, um, one of them being the Sri Lankan community uh, in Toronto, and then the other being the disability community, the uh, groups of blind and low vision people. Those two were the hardest to intertwine. Mm. because the stigma, like the generational impact of of being a person with a physical disability um, as a Sri Lankan was just absolutely 
difficult to navigate. And the challenges that come with that are, I'd say, ongoing, um, continue for me all the time and will continue to present itself in so many different ways as I get older, just different stages of life, different challenges. But yeah, um, trying to be a person with a disability in the Brown community, I would say is one of the most um, impactful, mostly in a negative way, Mm -hmm. uh, impactful things that I've had to, you know, deal with through my identity. Yeah, it definitely makes sense because I know within the Lens Living Diverse, we have had some guests and especially looking at uh, abroad. So we had some guests from Guyana. We had some guests from the Middle East, uh, people who are African descent. And it's always that theme where it's like my culture is colliding with my disability mm-hmm and even the lack of understanding. And uh, Ramya, are you a first-generation Canadian or? Yes. Yeah, so. I was well. even born in Sri Lanka and came when I was two. So it's really my brothers who are first-generation Canadians. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's always that disconnect between culture. And like what I hear so many times is the fact that in my culture, they don't understand cane use. They don't understand technology. They don't understand the independence of a person who lives with low vision or blindness. So it's always that, which one do I pick kind of type deal? And how do I educate my culture, right? Yeah, like there's so much I've been learning in the last several years on how to kind of paint this picture, not just for other people then, but like for myself to understand why it's so difficult and why it feels so frustrating. And one of the things that I've been learning, like with my therapist, is there's the individual and there's the collective, right? And there's um so much more to deal with if you are trying to be the individual. And now obviously trying to be the individual is contextual. It's relative because if you're born with a disability, you're not actively trying to um, exit the collective, but it's pretty much put upon you right so when I was born with a disability there's already that aspect of she's not like everyone else she's not going to be able to um fulfill the identity of what a brown or like a Sri Lankan woman female was is expected to be and so that kind of um spins into all these other aspects that you're describing like the individualism the independence the um i still want to live a fulfilling life that kind of thing there's there's just a lot around what is expected of you either a as a person with a disability in a brown community or uh, b as a person in a brown community that disability just doesn't fit that mold exactly exactly and then even revisiting these places where our parents or where our ancestry is uh, having conversations with people where they were making mention that you go back to, for myself, you go back to a place like Ghana and the infrastructure and the services, they're not there. You know what I mean? No, of course not. Yeah. Like trying to live life elsewhere. Yeah. And it's just like so different to or especially if you were born in those different places or you have uh, parents who 
have that entrenched in the culture where it's just like, although you're in Canada, it's still that way of thinking. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. Do you, um, like you said, you had many guests on with different backgrounds and scenarios uh, of these intersectionalities, but do you find that there's some common theme for a lot of, uh, you know, people who've migrated to Canada and, and live with disabilities or first generation Canadians um, with disabilities who have to deal with like very similar circumstances? Of course. And and once again, listeners, uh, Ramya is interviewing. <laughs> conversation. <laughs> exactly. That, that interview conversation prowlers. This is, this is why it's awesome to have you today. And uh, yeah, very, very good point because it is a theme where it almost seems that it's a place of seeking and it's a place of how do I balance my culture and how do I juggle my culture uh, with my disability and the one thing I'm noticing especially in the role and you probably see this too with uh, what you do as well is mm -hmm. the fact that disability pride is growing yeah oh yeah that makes a huge difference but it's also like you're trailblazing for the people ahead of you, because at least in my own experience, uh, I don't know. I don't really know people who've done it before me, like mm -hmm. in the city, in my particular um, like intersectionality. Exactly. And it's growing like uh, even a perfect example is uh, people are trying to get involved in uh, Carnival, right? Carabana, mm -hmm. as people with sight loss and representing. And just like yeah, Mickey mentioned, that doesn't happen. That was never, this is broken ground, even just that representation of disability. So I'm finding that uh, it is people trying to, to break ground. And I know you're one of them who is a person who's breaking ground. And that kind of leads into another thought of mine is the fact that you have such a huge platform with uh, Ramya or Kelly and Ramya. I like to call it Ramya and Kelly. Sorry about <laughs> that, Kelly. Uh, but you have such a huge platform. So how do you feel like your intersectionalities are represented in media? Do you feel that you're you're conveying it or you're kind of telling your story? Yes, I have to. I have to. I feel the responsibility. I don't want to say weight because that sounds like pressure, but I definitely feel the um, responsibility of, you know, this is a big deal to have a platform where I can go on and just completely identify, just be transparent about who I am, share that angle like everything I talk about or everything I comment on or uh, contextualize comes with my identity right how I um, view those things or go through those things or process so I definitely feel that this platform is allowing me to actually honestly come to terms with my identity even more than I had when I started um, obviously it's not like the only thing but I believe when I first started at AMI, I was hesitant about that um, for the first several years, actually, to 
every time I would mention something to do with being Sri Lankan or um, even actually just using the word brown to identify, I felt like it was new and strange. And now I'm, I'm feeling that I'm uh, settling into being able to identify as brown on air and in disability context. And I think that goes back to like the very first thing we talked about, which is the collision of being brown and being disabled. I think that there was just like so much deeply rooted uh, Mm. discomfort with that, that it was a challenge for me to say I'm brown on air while knowing that everything is disability context on the show. Mm, Exactly. And it's almost that uh, venturing in, okay, here's a, a show on AMI dedicated to disability. Like, yeah, this is what people... AMI is dedicated to showcasing disability. Exactly. And this is what people are coming in to see. Like, why do I want to know about this person's background? Or why do I want to know about that uh, social justice side of it? So mm-hmm. totally get where you're coming from with that. And even to ask you, like, can you share a little bit more about your journey to media? Like, did you always want to get into media or have that platform? Yeah, interestingly enough, I never wanted to be in media. My mother mm. was, um, uh, she's was a TV presenter and uh, an on-air personality, and she had um, much experience in Sri Lanka as well as in Canada on radio. TV, journalism, um, emceeing, et cetera, et cetera. She's just like very in media and arts. Uh, So I saw that. I was kind of involved at that growing up, but I never thought to do that as work for myself. And then I tried a few other things, you know, after high school, going into different programs for post-secondary and such. uh, And I, I couldn't find what I wanted to do. Like I couldn't find fulfillment. And that's has to do with age and all that as well but Mm -hmm. eventually I took a radio at Seneca as a broadcasting program and I loved it because it was practical it was something that I fell into quite well and um, found that I could do work that felt good uh, Mm -hmm. that I was good at but also found value in and of course coming into accessible media I I started to really just grasp at um, how meaningful this particular work is speaking to other people with disabilities, um, sharing my own stories. And it's just um, an honest, sincere uh, way for me to have access to this platform. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that you sort of like just fell into it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I almost denied it. Right. Like before <laughs> coming into it, I was like, no, I'm never going to be on radio. No, thank you. And then, <laughs> and then eventually I was like, oh, actually, this is something I'm really good at. <laughs> pretty much enjoy. Uh, it's, it's almost like I just think of Spider-Man and Venom. It's just like it's going through your veins and it's just taking over you. And you're like, no, no, I reject it. That's but the then... Kelly describes it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you resisted for so long (laughs) Uh, it just pulled you in you couldn't you couldn't escape it yeah exactly no but I I honestly love it like now I'm five plus years in and I'm really starting to hit my stride with how uh the the show and the work is affecting me and 
it's important. Like I find it very, very um, satisfying. I find that there's so much growth in having an opportunity like this. Mm -hmm. And it's so key. It's so key to have that representation. And this is not just a platform where it's okay. You're you're an actor on a commercial, or you do acting somewhere, right? This is mm. somewhere something that you're you actually have a voice that you are extending to everybody, all the listeners. One hundred percent. And my voice is helping others with their voice on the platform. And I think that's where I find the the service part of it, right? Like uh, being able to extend this out to the community. And every time, like every day, we're featuring people from the disability community to come on and talk about themselves and have very candid conversations. Like we really do um, place ourselves in the ways that encourage others to really share what's going on really feel like they can um, be themselves or we can talk about our challenges and our woes along with the things that make us happy and proud um, and and offer like you know sentimentalities to each other so that when you leave a show feeling like this is the kind of work you're doing it feels good mm -hmm. and the thing I love about it is just the dynamic you have uh, Kelly uh, who has his intersectionalities and even his his generation and then you have your generation and it's almost like it just comes together and I bet when you both are recording or you both are together you're almost like learning so much and taking away so much from each other that's such a good point often I've thought about that actually Ben because he is um he and I come from different generations as you said uh, we also like he identifies as a black man um, uh, with a visual impairment. I identify as a, a brown woman with low vision and from anywhere from language use mm -hmm. to what's normalized, what was normalized for Kelly growing up. But also one big, big thing for me was when I came into the show, I was young. I was like 25 mm -hmm. and still learning about myself very much so. Um and as I had pointed out, like in this conversation, right, I was not even comfortable with certain things like uh, identity specific language or uh, over the years, you can tell that I'm growing into myself. You know, like what I thought of two years ago is not necessarily what I'm thinking now about my own identity. Right. So you're seeing that on air, whereas when I came into the show, I felt like Kelly was was at a spot where he knew himself on radio, on TV, mm. in media. Like he was, um, like I saw him, and I'm not speaking for him, I'm speaking of my perspective of how I uh, took him in. I was like, oh, okay, Kelly knows who he is on air or he knows his identity on air. And that's not to say that he doesn't have a growth mindset. It's just like, I was in such a different place. I was like, who am I on air? Who am I in media? And that's, um, you know, because I didn't have the mentorship necessarily other than my mom, who mm. I just uh, took in growing up. Uh, and even for her, she's not a person with a disability. So it was just a very different, you know, connection to media. Exactly. And know what? Even with your mom, it's a whole different ballgame because as you said, 
she's not an individual for disability. Yep. And then she's pretty much hosting towards the Sri Lankan community. Exactly. And oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's just like that one one niche, right? It's it's not like it's worldwide. So it is a different ball game for yourself and how to find yourself on air for sure. And then incorporate your yourself as well. So when you're when I'm sculpting myself or when anyone's sculpting themselves um, as a host, you know, obviously we go through the the growth of it and it's always a learning curve. But for me, my mom's style of hosting and all of that uh, was the only thing I kind of could identify with. Mm. And so I started there. That was my starting point. And then slowly I started to realize, well, this is not who I am on air, though. So mm. over the years, you can really tell how much my hosting style has changed, how much my demeanor on air has changed. And like how I connect with people feels very different um from the way that my mom connected with people mm, and it's definitely seen it's definitely seen for sure so when we were speaking about mentorship and you made mention of your mom as well as kelly was there anybody else or was it just like you finding yourself i'd say it's a ladder like it's more me finding myself because i'm obviously influenced by people who are pros at what they do right mm. but that feels like a different aspect altogether for me like someone who's an amazing uh radio or tv host or someone who's really great at what they do is just one aspect of me kind of like paying attention but the most important part for me was how can i feel natural on air like how can i that's the part that clicks like would make me click to the work that I do make me um feel the value in doing this every single day right and so connecting with myself and my identity it's very internal for me like connecting with who I am and what I can offer people is um pretty much what I'm always continuing to discover and learn about mm, and I find, and there's been plenty of times where I've listened to Kelly and Ramya, and I found that, at least from my perspective, it really sounds like you have found your identity. And there's so many people that I speak to, and it's just like when I listen to Kelly and Ramya, it's like I'm hanging out with two friends. I'm chilling with mm -hmm. two friends, and we're just shooting the breeze and yeah. we're just uh bringing a topic and talking about it and i find that you can't be in a in authentic when it comes to people feeling that way for sure right right for sure like Ken kelly and i had chemistry from day one we are friends yeah. for real yeah. um which is so helpful because exactly what you're saying if you're comfortable with somebody, especially your co-host in this context, um, then you can feel like you can challenge opinions or just have warm conversations or even vulnerable conversations um, on air and forget that this is, you know, live show mm -hmm. and people are listening. That kind of aspect of it, like you're more likely to 
not pay attention to what this actually is and just converse kind of like this podcast mm. and then also um there is an aspect of like being good at bringing the sincere and genuine and authentic sides of people out and i think that's really important when it comes to talking specifically to marginalized communities and um you know people with different intersectionalities experiences that come with that challenge of being able to uh, be vulnerable with people or have vulnerable conversations. Like that's a challenge, right? In and of itself. Because when you're a person with a disability, I think there are a lot of ways we cope. And one of those ways is to um, not actually talk about the challenges or, you know, how hard something is, um, how much of a struggle you're going through. But Kelly and I make it a point to bring up all these sides yeah and that's that's straight out strength because even adding a person with a disability a racialized person uh, mm -hmm. a diverse person uh, any sort of diverse identities and it's been so long especially up in the disability community and disability yeah. organizations where we were told so many times why are you bringing that up why does that matter this is this is about blindness and uh, low vision. So it's so encouraging that people are able to have these conversations as well as it being on a platform such as AMI. Yeah, like it's empowering, yes. right? Like if somebody like me uh, is listening to the show, right? And someone who can identify with a lot of the things that I talk about that I go through. Um, it feels very empowering. It feels like there, you know, the, the community aspect. It feels like there is somebody you can kind of relate to, look up to maybe, um, but definitely feel like it's not just you alone. And we have to have these conversations that bring up all the diverse um, parts of us because or else it's very, uh, what's the word? Like, it's very one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. And mm. obviously, we're not one-dimensional people. Mm -hmm. No, we, we're 5D. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're 5D, exactly. There's, there's some people out there, 7, 7D as well, 7-dimensional. <laughs> it's complex. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, something I want to go into, and this actually really warms my heart, and I... I remember when I first heard about your show and you were introducing yourself and introducing Ramya Muthin and just hearing your name and then even fast forwarding to uh, Nazi being a part of AMI mm -hmm. and so many different cultures with different kind of names. The one uh, thing I was just so interested, I was reading an article actually the other day, and they're making mention of people on TV changing their names mm -hmm. uh, so it's easily pronounced or uh, because they want to get jobs. So even what's your take on that? Oh, man. A, a different name. This might be the first time that I like talk about this out loud on a um a pod because this never came up on Kelly and Remia. So first of all, I appreciate this thread. But basically, when I first started, this goes back way before AMI, like this is just childhood onwards, right? Uh, from school to work, 
any kind of work experience and then now into AMI where I'm kind of settled in now. But basically, um, I anglicized my name for so long, forever, mm-hmm. until up until two-ish years ago. Um, and the way that I would say my name is Ramia Amuthan. And that's because that's the way that everybody said my name. So mm-hmm. uh, I took that on and I thought, okay, of course, like what else would I do? And ne- it would never even crossed my mind that I would say my name uh, the way it's supposed to be traditionally pronounced. And something happened two years ago. I was speaking with um, one of my friends of Chinese background. And it wasn't a friend, actually. I totally lied. She was a stranger that I met through a, a group experience. And she would only say her name in the traditional sense, the way it was authentically supposed to be pronounced. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her about it. I don't know what prompted me, but I asked her, like, you know, it's really awesome that you say your name until people get it right. And why do you do that? And she just, you know, gave me her perspective on it. And it really, really clicked. It honestly made such a such an impact for me that day that I came to AMI one day and I just started saying my name the way it's supposed mm-hmm. to be said. That was it. Like I on air <laughs> went from. <laughs> it's really funny when I think about it, but I basically came on air on like a Monday <laughs> and all of a sudden I was no longer Ramia Amuthan. I was Ramia Amuthan. And Kelly, <laughs> Kelly was like, uh, is there something you want to talk about? <laughs> like off air, obviously. And he's like, did you did you change your name over the weekend? <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna start saying my name. And this is when I started hosting, um, lead hosting in certain circumstances. Yeah. So if Kelly was off or et cetera, et cetera. And um, I just started saying my name. Ramia Amudan and he was like I, I you need to you need to redo this for me so like what how are we pronouncing your name and um I told him like this is how it's pronounced in Tamil that's the other thing I stopped calling my language Tamil which is the anglicized version of mm-hmm. Tamil and uh just started saying words the way they were meant to be said and um mm-hmm. oh my god I swear when I started saying my name properly I something shifted in me like for real Mm. i cannot really put words to that but something shifted in me where i was like yeah this is who i am and i not that i would all the time correct people but people know the way my name is supposed to be pronounced now Mm -hmm. whereas years and years and like decades of my life people didn't and people came up to me um who've known me for so long who've known me since i was a kid and said Oh, you're saying your name differently now. Have I been saying your name wrong this whole time? And I'm like, yes, but so have I, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's so important. I love how you made mention how it's empowering. It is hugely mm. empowering. Like, I found strength in saying my name correctly. Like, every time I... There was a time at the beginning of this um, change where every time I said my name properly, I felt like a chill go down my spine. Mm-hmm. It was so visceral. It was physical. And um, I think people can identify with that, honestly. Like, even if you don't have that um, big of a reaction and response to saying your name correctly, it it does. It does impact you. It's just like language. Like, when you can say words that you identify with and not just kind of box yourself, you, or, or you know, 
go by the right pronoun um, that feels like you. Whatever it is, all these different examples, I it does empower you. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful thing because as it made mention, uh, you having your show, the, the audio book review. Right. And just having that with Nazi and pronouncing her name wonderfully. And then I know Amir comes on the air uh, sometimes as well. And just it, it's empowering. It feels like the person's welcomed. Yes. And we get it. We get it. We're all different cultures. Sometimes our mouths don't move the way we want our <laughs> mouths to move, you know? So some words right. we, we can't develop it in our mouths. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you can't try or it doesn't exactly. mean that it's just like, oh, like I'm going to call you Fred or whatever, or I'm not going to say that. So it is so interesting. And actually, I remember um, I remember when I was younger and just getting the announcement. It's just like, Ben Okuku, can you come to the front office or whatever? And oh, it's just no. like, oh, my gosh. And yeah, like, who just, are you even talking to? Yeah. And just like you, I just never corrected until like yourself. One day I'm like, nah, like y'all got to correct it. Y'all mm -hmm. got to say it right because that's my name. So 100 percent. And that's the thing, right? Don't you feel or hadn't you felt like when people say your name wrong or worse, when we say our names incorrectly to appease, mm -hmm. um, that we are not us. Like mm -hmm. I felt that I was putting on a show to mm -hmm. somebody somewhere, but I wasn't connecting with myself. And it's it it's a big deal, honestly. Mm hmm. And actually, funny story. Also, when I used to work at a, a school, I remember when I first came in, I introduced myself from Mr. Kwako and people were like, what? what? We're just going to call you Mr. A, right? Right. And I remember by the end of when I, I finished working at the school, the students were correcting anybody who would have trouble. They're like, it's Mr. Kwako. Yes. It's Mr. Aquaco. Aquaco. It's easy to say Aquaco. And I'm like, wow. Exactly. I love it. No, that's amazing. That's amazing because um, same thing. Like, I just phonetically write my name down. Yeah. So people get it. And I, I, I am very forgiving, as you said. Like, if people can't say it, they can't say it. But at the end of the day, I know I'm saying my name correctly. And, um, I think that's what's made the biggest difference, at least the biggest shift. That that is beautiful for sure. And uh you know what? Let's let's go back into the show. Like you, like I said, you have such a big platform. Uh it's that ability to uh share stories about intersectionality, talk about diverse issues, talk about even just disability justice type issues. Yeah. Uh, so from that part, here's you folks as the host. But what I want to know is how has that experience been having so many different types of guests and so many different types of stories? How has that experience been for you? The fact that for two hours a day, for five days um, a week, people come on and they are basically teaching me, like they're schooling me on um, their experiences, their journeys, um, the way, the grind that people had to put in to 
to be where they are right now, all these different things um, is so like there's nothing like it because basically every day um, we're offering people this space, right? The the airspace to to come on and share a bit of themselves with us. And we're the ones gaining from that. Like Kelly and I are the ones gaining from that. Uh, I all the time, like I believe, you know, throughout life, we're just learning and learning and learning and learning. Mm-hmm. And so these are just teeny tiny pieces of that bigger picture of um, how much we're learning. I love, um, I guess, you know, there's so many experiences on air, off air, where people have corrected me. Like I'd go in with an assumption, right? Mm. For example, um, I identify as having low vision, but there are a lot of different words that people use uh, in the blindness spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Blind, low vision, visually impaired, vision impaired, partial sight, vision loss, etc. cetera. Uh, but I took that language and I think like identified somebody as deaf slash hearing impaired once. And mm-hmm. they corrected me. They were like, we go in the deaf community, it's deaf or hard of hearing. And I remember thinking, oh my God, why would I even assume that? Right. Mm-hmm. But that little example um, and this person stepping up to educate me made me realize like I can't go in with an assumption like that. I want to ask people how they identify before assuming that there are parallels in different parts of the disability community stuff like that like that's just one example but these are huge you know if i'm having moments like that as the host imagine the kinds of learning people are having at home listening right or and hopefully as well the people who are joining us on air and what they're being um taught Mm. or willing to take in Mm-hmm. And I like the flexibility out of that. And I like the uh, the fact that you're, you're, just like I said, flexible with learning and not taking offense to it, where it's like, oh, how God, dare yeah. they tell me this? And <gasps> No, I have zero ego. Maybe like a tiny <laughs> bit of ego, but I really um... actively work on not having ego on the show. Um, we're, We've been talking about names and, you know, that kind of thing as well. Like, making sure that you completely do someone um like give them the empowerment you know tell us how you want to talk to us on air or like where you want to go with it Mm, pass on the baton that's that's such a beautiful thing and this is why look at look at this this is a perfect example that i'm learning from you even today and bringing to the lens living diverse right like learning that yeah you can't make assumptions of course you you want to listen to people's stories you want to to grow so absolutely because or else you're not practicing what you preach right like Mm -hmm. if I'm out there sharing my story and I need the safe space to do that and you know Kelly provides me the safe space like our team um makes the show what it is and to make us comfortable talking and sharing and listening uh we want to be able to pay that forward and directly um offer that to the people who are coming on the show of course of course said i know what we've been talking a lot about like on air and even as we have been speaking you have such a huge platform for ami 
And something that I find very important is um, community mobilization, right? So as a whole for individuals to kind of get the word out, uh, kind of get the message out. And in this case about intersectionality, and you are, I know personally, a huge advocate, a huge educator. Can you give advice to people who want to have that uh, community mobilization in like perhaps starting a group or uh, I guess getting out into the community or starting a Facebook page? Any advice for those individuals? It, honestly, and it's coming from the place uh, that we've been exploring through this conversation already, it's the more of yourself you can put out there, the sincere, authentic, um, vulnerable self that you can put out into the world, the more that you will draw in the energy of people who want to connect with you. And mm -hmm. we see this in community all the time. You get um, hooked up with people. Right. You get connected with people by a third person, mutual friends. Um, if you're going through something like how many times in your life, Ben, have you uh, been told, hey, I know this person uh, who's going through vision loss or I know this person who wants to learn the iPhone or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm wondering if you want to talk to them. These are things that people pick up because it's not because you're out there going, hey, if you know someone who <laughs> wants to talk blindness, <laughs> come find me. That's mm -hmm. not how it works, right? In the world, like we find connection through um, finding ourself in the world. And the more that you can identify with yourself and the more that you can share that side of you out with people, express yourself um, or or be able to like just get to that place and stage where you can share the more that you find naturally you're connecting with people who want to do the same and that's how um, community starts building yes of course there's the logistic side of you know posting and actually starting the facebook group mm -hmm. and promoting etc cetera, etc cetera. but all that comes from how you put yourself there to begin with and so you can't fake that you know you can't fake um being who you are, accepting who you are, willing to share who you are with others, and then those those people find you. I love this it. is the way that it's happened for me. So that's what's my truth. I love it. I love that mentality. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's such a beautiful mentality. And it's so natural. And I, I feel like even speaking to you today, especially hearing your story and hearing your connections with people and your ability to express your diversity. I feel it's so organic. It's it's not this forcing. Of course, it's uh, a little bit of push, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of pronouncing your name, right? And sure. expressing your different identities, but it's almost this organic build it. And like I said, they will come. Yeah. I mean, if you the less you resist who you are and we have to go through the stages to accept who we are anyway but the less that you can um the less you find the need to resist your own identities and parts of yourself 
the more willing you are to just put yourself out there. And when you do that, people find you, people are drawn to you. Mm, wise words, wise words. Kelly's a lucky individual to have you <laughs> as a co-host. I might be even grounded. paraphrasing things he said already. So who knows? <laughs> Go back in the archives. Keep him grounded for sure. Maybe keep you grounded. So we are coming up to the end, which I honestly, it's just, I could sit here another like two hours. Sure. Yeah. Same. Pick Nobody your, would want to listen to that, that uh, nah, podcast. Though. Nah, that, be that'd be the <laughs> best rated podcast and pick your brain for sure. <laughs> so I want to end it out by kind of letting you have any last thoughts towards the listeners, anything that you want promoted or anything that you want the listeners to know about. Um, well, if you want to check out Kelly and Romeo, because we've talked about it for like an hour, <laughs> you can do that. Um, if you go to ami.ca slash schedules, you can find out because we're on your basic cable package. So you can find us there. You can also um, find us on Instagram by following Accessible Media Inc. And uh, Kelly and Romeo, we have our own handle as well. And uh, if you go to amiaudio.ca, then you can stream us live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern uh, on weekdays. Excellent. And it's then like I've off. never done this before. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're a pro. Oh, my gosh. We got to get you to do our outro. Also, um, <laughs> hey, uh, what do you call it? The audio book review. That's right. Yeah, that's my weekly pod with Nasreen. And uh, it's really fun. We just basically talk audiobooks with guests and contributors. And if you want to search that, that is a podcast. Uh, AMI audiobook review. Kelly and Romeo is also a podcast, by the way. I knew I was missing something. Excellent. And if you would like to share a little bit of your consulting, is is that something that could be shared? I don't know. If you find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter, then we can connect about any kind of uh, access consulting. So just look for All Rams, A-L-L-R-A-M-Z. Excellent. Doing big things. And any last words you want to share with the, the listeners and the audience? Well, I just want to say this was an amazing conversation. We really, um, whenever we talk, we always get to like so many interesting things and um, it makes a difference in how I move forward. So thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, no problem, Ramya. And thank you so much for coming today to the Lens Living Diverse, stopping by and uh, listeners, you better watch out. Ramya promised me that she's going to recruit me to Kelly and Ramya, the Kelly and Ramya show. So it's going to oh, be God. the Benny, uh, Kelly and Ramya show. I can't wait. I can't wait. We already have a name. <laughs> exactly. I had no it, idea. Exactly. But all jokes aside, thank you so much for coming today, Ramya. I, we all really appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Excellent. So thank you for listening to The Lens Living Diverse. If you like today's episode, you're more than welcome to listen to it on any of your favorite platforms. Also, if you want to know a little bit more about DNI and the CNIB, uh, just go on our CNIB page at www.cnib.ca, click on advocacy, and then click on We Are CNIB. Once again, click on advocacy, and then click on We Are CNIB. And then also, if you want to be a part of The Lens Living Diverse, or you have a good show idea, you could email us at advocacy at cnib.ca. Once again, advocacy at cnib.ca. So once again, I just want to thank Ramya, 
I was your host for today of the Lens Living Diverse. So thank you for listening. Peace. <laughs>